I want to bring in Dan Deming. He's the managing director at KKM Financial. He's joining us to take a look at the numbers and market reaction too. Dan, it's good to have you with us this Thursday morning. Thanks for sharing part of yours with us here on the TD Ameritrade Network. I want to move past the jobless claims numbers, which for the most part were in line with expectations for a second and start with the unit labor costs. Look at this up 12.6%, a full percentage point above what they were looking for at 11.6. And well, that was what prior was. So again, this uh, continues to rise. We're talking about uh, basically tying into that inflation discussion. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. As you pointed out, that uh, yeah, that 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 trend has not necessarily shifted, yeah. and uh, that's something that the Fed, I think, is is certainly concerned about as far as an input into the uh, the structure for the inflation front moving forward. And you know, they indicated uh, in the Beige Book yesterday as well that you know they're just still seeing pretty strong demand from the consumer, and they're still seeing prices. You know, not necessarily moderating at the level that they would like. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing uh, or receiving prior to this quiet period uh, a much more hawkish tone from the Fed mm. uh, in this because of the fact that they're not necessarily seeing a shift in some of the trends that they would hope to start to see at this point with rates starting to rise and also being priced in. Uh, to the level, I guess, that they uh, were hoping that uh, possibly we'd start to see a peak in inflation. You know, speaking of uh, individual Fed speakers, I saw Bullard, St. Louis Fed president, uh, said he wants to see rates at 3.5 percent uh, to combat inflation. Now, again, a more hawkish member uh, of the Fed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about initial jobless claims, a pretty strong number, 200,000 below 210 expected, Dan, uh, prior revised to 211 uh, revised down, but uh, earlier in the day, ADP, a little bit of a disappointment at 128,000. They were looking for 300. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a shift there as far as from the weekly numbers, uh, you know, so starting to uh, tr trend back down towards that 200,000 after several prints in that 210 to 220 level. Uh, you know, but that is something that is certainly much more volatile on a weekly basis, but still holding right around 200, Ben, from a historical perspective, is pretty strong uh, weekly numbers. As you pointed out, though, when you look at the ADP number, it did come in about half of what the expectation was, or actually below half. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, overall, disappointing, I guess, uh, or, or at least to some degree, um, maybe, you know, a little cooling in the, on the jobs front. But uh, that doesn't necessarily parlay into uh, a shift in the trend uh, into Miles number. I mean, longer term, I think they start they correlate, but short term on a month over month basis, we've seen some pretty big dispersions between ADP and then non-farm payrolls. We have, and we've pointed out in terms of that uh, connectivity, there isn't always that direct correlation. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, Dan. Well, I just wanted to point out the last time we saw jobless claims below 200,000 was end of April. We saw about a four-week streak there, uh, four, five out of six-week streak, uh, end of April, uh, end of March period. But, um, you know, I, I was curious, did you notice that uh, ISM employment index yesterday, which contracted, came in uh, below the 50 level? I didn't. Uh, so, no, that is interesting, Ben, that, um, yeah, that, that's certainly um, a, a shift in a flag. Uh, yeah, a yeah. flag. Exactly. Yeah. That's, a way, that's a great way to put it uh, in the sense that, yeah, anything below 50 would be contraction, correct? Yeah. So I guess uh, uh, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward uh, if we start to see a significant shift there. It'll be also the other interesting dynamic, I think, is as we see now this move back to office type of scenario starting mm -hmm. to unfold that are more uh, at an increased pace. You know, will that have an impact on the employment front moving forward, at least how it's uh, calculated? So 
that could be another import uh, as we continue to see more and more people going back into the office that uh, could shift that dynamic moving forward as well. You know, uh, in terms of market reaction, too, if we just take a look at the ES, for the most part, it remains in this very narrow range, kind of limited. It does seem like the market's kind of in a bit of a holding pattern after rallying off two weeks ago. I think it was the Friday lows that we saw uh, uh, in end of May there. We posted those new lows for the year, and we've come off those levels, but have been limited to the upside in terms of taking out key areas. 4,100 seems to be an area that we're still not 100% sure that we uh, deserve to hold above at this point. We'll keep an eye on that. I've got my eye more on like 43 but talk to us, Dan, because the dollars come off a little bit. The ECB took on a bit more a hawkish tone as well. We saw the Bank of Canada this week raise rates by 50 basis points uh, to one and a half percent. And the dollar, again, kind of holding off that 105 handle back down to 102. Also, a weaker dollar maybe helping indices uh, kind of get a lift off that lower low or at the very least a reflection of investor sentiment as, as uh, indices came off those low. Maybe they eased off some of that dollar appetite. Yeah, Ben, I think that that certainly seems to be the case, because uh, you are seeing a shifting in the trends, particularly in some of the major pairs trades when you look at the euro mm -hmm. the and, and the Swiss franc, all realizing, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent upside here for the last month uh, or better, uh, and reversing that trend, at least from a short-term perspective. So we do see the dollar backing off here. We did see a low of, what, 101 spot two, uh, I think, a couple days ago. And now we, you know, gyrating between 10, let's say 101 half and 102 half. Mm -hmm. um, but that's uh, at the lower end of the range for the last month. And I think a lot has to do with maybe, yes, the ramping up the central bank uh, activity as far as uh, you're seeing that from a global perspective. But yeah, just as much, I think, as you pointed out, if not more, the uh, rebound in the equity markets, that safe haven type of mentality, at least from the short term, is also, I think, having an impact on the dollar. Moving forward, Ben, as you pointed out, yeah, the S&P, um, you know, it's holding 4,100 here. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if that can maintain throughout the, today into tomorrow. Um, you know, we targeted 4170 or 4175 as far as the first resistance, and we have uh, lightly touched that uh, in the last couple of days as well, and then backed off. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the 4300. If we break through uh, 40, let's say 4175, then uh, the next target would be 4300 for the S&P. Dan, how about rates? Because, uh, well, in addition to some of the, uh, well, appetite for the dollar coming off is the indices have come off those recent lows. Um, the euro currency, again, firming up uh, based on some of those comments from the ECB. Ultimately, you've seen rates come off as well. And the dollar's been very closely tied to rates the last few months, more so than it was the last few years, it seems like. Yeah, it, it certainly seems to be taking its cues from uh, the, the interest rate environment as well, Ben. And, and yeah, now that we're seeing a, a resetting of expectations there uh, with the more hawkish tone before now, we've got to be close to the quiet period, right, Ben? I think does it start today even maybe? Um, or I don't know how many more days the Fed has to talk, but it, we're not going to hear much more from them in, in the next day or two. And uh, as you pointed out, the tone going into the meeting is, is certainly one that indicates that they're going to continue to be pretty aggressive. And, you know, that's certainly creating some volatility within the, uh, the Treasury markets. And now we're seeing, uh, you know, that play out, particularly on the back end of the curve, uh, as that's selling off a little bit harder or more so than the, the short to middle of the curve here the last couple of days. I want to just pull that up here and take a quick look in terms of uh, what's been playing out here with the 30 versus the 5. Here's a good look at that. Uh, Dan, uh, in terms of uh, uh, this overall kind of, 
trying to get a feel of whether we've seen kind of peak inflation, the bottom in terms of this recent sell-off tied to concerns about inflation and everything that's been going on. One thing that I've noticed is Bitcoin's been relatively quiet throughout all of this, uh, holding near the lower extreme of range that it's been in, raising some concerns in many ways in terms of, again, tying back to investors' uh, risk appetite under current conditions, uh, uncertainties tied to the Fed, rates, et cetera. I mean, uh, can you speak to us a little bit about what is this uh, very closely watched risk-on, risk-off type asset telling us when it's holding this lower level? And while rallies being sold into it seems like short-lived, much more indicative of what you'd expect to see in kind of a bear market environment than what we had been seeing in the run-up up to that 69,000 type bull uh, scenario. Yeah, Ben, um, you're right. It does. It is an interesting dynamic. Uh, I, I would say, though, the, the fact that it's been able to hold that twenty nine thousand level, and it does appear to be a pretty significant consolidation level here in you know between the let's say twenty eight five and mm -hmm. thirty one thousand level um, for an extended period of time. You know, I I think that Bitcoin probably needed some type of range type of uh, a trading environment to uh, allow, you know, I guess the flows of money and also the analytics of, uh, of the structure uh, continue, you know, as it continues to uh, unfold. And you're seeing, you know, some of the, the satellite coins and such, you know, certainly struggling significantly, and yet Bitcoin is hung in there. That's the kind of way, way I look at it, Ben. And if it was the bottom here and find some uh, ability to move higher, then if you look at it from a long-term perspective, then it would te technically have put in a higher low as well. So I think the fact that it is consolidating to, in my view, is something that is a positive long-term for Bitcoin. You know, I want to just uh, pull up that long term here real quick. And uh, if we could pull this chart, because I do agree with you in terms of uh, where they are right now at 30,000. I mean, talking uh, back around the pandemic, the bulls would have loved to have seen 30,000. So, again, and I do agree in many ways, Dan, I think it's a good point. The fact that we are holding this level and we've yet to open up the door to the downside or step into a elevator shaft type scenario uh, does speak to some of the strength at this level, the fact that there is still some support here and some buying some value at this lower extreme. Dan, appreciate you joining us here and sharing your Thursday with us here on the TD Ameritrade Network to break down the numbers, take a look at market reaction too, and talk financials. Dan Deming, Managing Director at KCAM Financial. We're